I want to shout out that robot costume my brother went out. So he was like 10 or something. Uh, it was two cardboard boxes and some like insulation tubing for arms oh, and legs. Classic. And it, it looked awesome. Uh, but the thing was like, if he did fall down, or sat down or in any direction, he could not get back up. Like yes! fully like beached turtle on its back. Uh, and he did, there were a couple of times where he would like, cause he's a 10 year old, you know, trip and fall. And he didn't hurt himself cause he had all these boxes around him, but he could not get back up. And it was very funny. <laughs> I'm just imagining like, like a costume like that, where it's like, quick hit the emergency release switch. And just like the whole thing explodes <laughs> off. Of you. Like it has to be spring loaded. Yeah. But, uh, Ribbons <clears throat> flying everywhere. It's got to fit the fire code. Okay. There needs to be an emergency exit. <laughs> Hello everybody. And welcome to another episode of the overly sarcastic podcast. I am blue and I'm joined by red. I'm, Awake, apparently. Uh, sources vary, but Sometimes the general we... consensus is that I <laughs> seem to have officially, successfully pried myself out of bed this morning. So good, we're good. Good. We're good. Sometimes we have the uh, the OSP after dark streams. This is a uh, OS pod before noon, um, anyone, <laughs> early AM OS pod. Anyone can tell you that late night people and early morning people, the Venn diagram is two circles. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's okay because we uh, um, we're having having some fun. Uh, we both did weapon stuff yesterday, Red. You did some yeah. sword fighting, and I did some archery with Cyan for a Hell little yeah. um, little pre anniversary uh, yep. thing. It was raining the whole day, but it was super super fun. <laughs> yeah, it's actually uh, I actually have to give credit to this very pod because when we were talking about like, well, I think it, the question was something like, "What's a thing that you're interested in doing?" But like like haven't or something like that and uh indigo i believe you mentioned hema yeah uh, like historical sword fighting stuff and i was like actually that sounds pretty cool so like i immediately was like looking up like hema stuff in my area <laughs> um, yeah. and uh yeah so i'm uh i've been i've been learning about renaissance sword fighting which is interesting because it's more different from fencing than i expected mm-hmm. uh because a foil weighs like nothing, but a rapier is significantly heavier and like chunky. Yeah, it's chunky. <laughs> it has heft to it. You can't just whip it around like it's nothing. Uh, so the the pose, like the stances are different. The pommel like rests under your forearm rather yeah. than just kind of floating free. It's like you're you're balancing it on your forefinger. So your elbow has to be more tucked in than when, and when you're fencing foil. Your elbow can be wherever the fuck you want it to be. Um, anyway, it's all very interesting stuff. Uh, yeah. And as a bonus, we get to do a little bit of stabbing, which is always fun. <laughs> <laughs> get to learn about the mechanics of Renaissance sword fighting and then fucking kill a guy. It's yeah. great. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because the um the uh, pad is asymmetrical the sleeve goes over your dominant arm but mm-hmm. there's a couple lefties in my class uh, and when we were practicing uh, we, we were doing the the forte which is like one of the poses that's used um, it's like normally you're in kind of a neutral low stance but then you can raise it up and to your inside and then it's uh anyway uh, so I was I was fencing a, a lefty and the long story short is I got stabbed in my unarmored arm because we needed to swap which oh, because no. because it was like it's really hard to do this with somebody whose sword is on the same side yeah. of their body as yours is so let's just for the sake of you know the drill swap it up and it's like okay cool cool great. the fencing experience of yeah. uh, fighting lefties as a righty but yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we're not we're not a HEMA podcast we're here to talk about uh, some some videos that we made on our channel, and I think 
I was thinking about this this morning in what little of this morning I had before we jumped on this call. <laughs> but this is probably one of the most insane tonal whiplashes of a video one, video two <laughs> pairing that we've possibly ever had oh my God. in OSP thus far. Going from let's make some funnies about Spider-Man and mm -hmm. just have a, a big old laugh about Bully Parker doing his dance, which I'm so sad I didn't get to use that phrase, Bully Parker, in the video. <laughs> and then to let's all have a good hard cry about the concept of death in oh my media. <laughs> in my defense, when I first scripted this, the world must know that I sent you the script and I was like, should I tone this down? I feel like we're going to give people existential crises. And you were like, and I was like nah, no, it's fine. <laughs> no. And then I watched it back and I'm like, oh, this is really good. And then I watched, I read through the comments and it's like, I had a hard cry at work and I'm like, Okay, I feel bad. Should I have been crying? I, I feel like I missed something here for the memo I, of this video. I think I diagnosed the exact thing that got people, because uh, enough people mentioned the specific moment, and it was uh, when I'm discussing the uh, Discworld death, uh, there's a little bit where Terry Pratchett would get letters from like terminally ill people who mm -hmm. were like, I hope when I meet death, he's a lot like the one you wrote, and Terry would like stare at the wall for a while after that, and I was like, yeah, that's sad, but apparently like... That was the thing that, like, tipped a lot of people over the edge in the comments because uh, even the people that, like, knew that anecdote were like, oh, fuck, come on, man, I got to bring that shit up. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, no, it was, I mean, the thing is there's not a video in the world we could have done before this one that wouldn't have had tonal whiplash. <laughs> um, but we definitely, we definitely strove to go in the opposite direction, however, with the Spider-Man one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, we can go just chronological, start with the, the detailed sure. iDrive. Yeah. Let's start with Spidey, Spidey, which was a video that I I felt really weird about up until the moment that I published it, and all the comments are like, this is amazing. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Every once in a while, I think, you know, like, oh, man, like, this is a great video. And then I put it up on the channel, and everyone loves it. And it's like with the Byzantines, like, fantastic. Could not ask for a better response. And then for this video, as I was, like, putting it together, we had the, the call where we recorded it, and I was editing it, and I'm like, man, I don't... I don't know, like, Red's doing a lot of the lifting to, like, keep this conversation going. Like, I'm, like, getting all stuck in the weeds of Spider-Man 2. Like, that has nothing to do with the symbiote. And then I, like, I finally edited it together. We had a whole bunch of stuff about Mary Jane that I just cut because it was, uh, mm. it wasn't relevant. Um, like, 15 extra minutes of, of stuff, which is, like, interesting, but it, it wrecked the pacing. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is it. And I put it up, and then the audience is like... This is amazing. It goes to 4 out of 10 <laughs> on the recent videos thing. And I'm like, are you, really? This That's one? A, I mean, okay, but... <laughs> this, is a, this is a part of the creative process. I've talked about it constantly. When you reach the point in the project where you've been looking at it for too long. Yeah. And that's when it's like, is this even worth existing at all? Am I worth anything? Like, that's when you got to <laughs> fucking step back, fire it off, and just yeah. be like, oh, I hope people like it. <laughs> just um, full send. Yeah, and it's yeah. not that I'd, like, spent that much longer on the video than anything else. It's a detailed diatribe. It takes a little more than a, a week, like front to back to turn it over. Mm -hmm. But it's just so long that I was yeah. listening to it for so long in a row. And I'm like, they're still they're still talking about Spider-Man 2. I mean, that's <laughs> us, but they're still talking about Spider-Man 2. Come on, guys, move it along. So yeah. I feel uh, like you'd also like, because you've been just 
in it with Spider-Man for like the whole week leading up to yeah. it. like well obviously I have to rewatch all the movies and you know like all the spectacular Spider-Man and this 90s show which is better than I remember it's just like oh you know just for flavor I should probably I play some of the game again <laughs> yeah so like you, you've been in it for too long and then it's like can I do this justice is this truly my creative vision and it's like yeah it's good man but you it's, know it's like when you're when you're steeped in the thing for so long that all of your analysis just feels like service level commentary yeah and then you put it out there and everyone's like oh wait yeah no that that's neat and honestly like seeing the comments the the amount of vindication from the people <laughs> who were like you know like i honestly like really enjoyed spider-man 3 i watched it at exactly the right oh. age where like i didn't think it was a masterpiece of cinema but goddamn, it was funny and i liked it or like yeah you know spider-man 2 not not as much of a masterpiece as like people claim and it's like if if Spider-Man 2 is that good, Spider-Man 3 is not that bad. Mm. And if Spider-Man 3 is like pretty good, Spider-Man 2 is not, you know, it's like you got to you got to balance them in more. They're not they're not that separate. It's not like this is some uh like I don't even know what kind of comparison would do it between like one movie and another where it's it's not like a the room. Actually, no, that aged worse. Where I'm thinking like episode seven to episode eight, where it just like <laughs> episode seven's like it was fine, and then episode eight's like, you know, whatever. But that, that, that's not the comparison. The, the point is, I, I'm i glad that so many people enjoyed listening to the discussion and thinking back on various pieces of media and various people commenting, like, oh, yeah, like Spectacular Spider Man's the best one. Like, edit comment, oh my God, they talked about Spectacular Spider Man. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting that um, when you sort of just, like, take apart the movies, Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3 are different levels of quality, but it's essentially, it's like the level of the stitching is different. Yeah. Like, the underlying fabric is about the same, but it's how well it's put together. Because Spider-Man 2, like, it's got a few advantages. It's got a better villain actor. That's just, like, come on. Everyone knows Alfred Merlin is probably the best part of those movies. Yeah. Um, uh, but, like, Spider-Man 3, it was trying to do a lot, and it it, it didn't have enough thread, essentially, to, yeah. to hold it all together. And there are still good bits in it, but, you know, and, and there's only a few parts where, like, holes have frayed through it, you know? It's, yeah. uh, point no, it's, by point, it's not that much worse. Fair. It's just put together worse. And those are two different kinds of analysis. Yeah. Like, there are some movies that are, like, so bad that it's hard to diagnose what's wrong with them, uh, which is why I think a lot of people find the last Airbender movie so fascinating, because for a, a movie made as by a know. team... <laughs> as you know, yes. Uh, for a movie made by a team of, like, competent people with a lot of other, like, filmography under their belt, it's remarkably bad on every possible level, down to, like, the way they use the soundtrack or fail to do so, or, like, where you put the camera in relation to everyone's faces, or, like, the <laughs> color grade. It's just weird. It's weird that it's that bad. Whereas with Spider-Man 3, it's like, I see what went wrong here. You didn't fucking fix the script. So, like, everything after that is on par with the quality of the first couple movies, basically, but the story under lying it doesn't hold together as well um yeah yeah i also liked the the couple people who picked up on like wait blue said he didn't like the last quarter of spider-man 2 does that mean he doesn't like the train scene how <gasps> dare and that's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's ruined by the weird motivation he gets when mary jane gets kidnapped until no. we meet again and i like run off like skeletor god yeah. damn it <laughs> that's how i felt that entire video was just like this is my my joker arc i am just uh, a madman we'll and i can't be stopped spider-man <laughs> yeah <laughs> like the donkey fuck you spider-man <laughs> this is why only fools are heroes <laughs> yeah oh, spider-man one was really fun green goblin yeah. such a good villain Spider-Man i also one uh, knew thank you exactly to the people who pointed out be. that he's not hobgoblin he's new goblin god which damn is it different that's stupid 
I looked it up afterwards. Hobgoblin was created because they wanted a character who was basically exactly Green Goblin, but they didn't want to, like, ruin the sanctity of Norman Osborn's death earlier in the media. So it's like, we're gonna make new- or we're gonna make Hobgoblin, and he's different, and totally my OC was not stolen. This is stupid. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Spider-Man is often stupid, and that's <laughs> what's so fun about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I do, I do like that the Sam Raimi movies are sort of unapologetically camp about all that. Oh, yeah. uh, and I, I feel like a lot of that is because um, it's the same director for Evil Dead, right? Yes, like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So like the kind of like, okay, this will hit levels of like, oh, that was surprisingly dark, or like, oh, that was really sincere. And then also you'll get it's you who's out, Gavi, out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like I just love it when a when a story is willing to be stupid, yeah. and with Spider Man, it really has to be. <laughs> well, well, Red, since since you hate the spider, and <laughs> I hate the spider. God damn it! Maybe maybe we should kill the spider. Put but the what mask happens back on. when we do kill the spider? What what philosophical concept in Persona will he meet when that happens? Red, tell us about personifying death. What's the Marvel Universe's death? That's the one that Deadpool's into, right? Yeah. What? Like gets yeah. Is that the one where Thanos was trying to court yeah, by killing it's, people? It's sexy lady death who's in love with Deadpool or possibly no. vice versa. Um, so Wait, are you, please tell me that Thanos is in love with death, but death is actually in love with Deadpool instead. This is accurate as far as I understand That's the so comic structure. funny. Yes. I think also the reason why, like, it, it ties in with Deadpool being basically completely unkillable is like, ah, yeah. you are separated forever from your, the love of your life or whatever. I don't know. That one is not one I looked into too deeply uh, because I wanted to focus on things that looked like they were well-written. And uh, here's a pro tip. If it's from comics, it's not going to be well-written. <laughs> this is my hottest take, but it's true. Comics are written by too many people that don't talk to each other. The overall writing quality of any given character is not going to be good. It'll have good bits when a writer that knows let what me, they're doing has them. Let me posit this. It's like that line from, from Men in Black. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky animals, and you know it. Mm -hmm. A comic is good. Comics are stupid. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so instead, I focused on, like, for instance, um, uh, one of the deaths I talked about was Death of the Endless, the one Neil Gaiman wrote for Sandman. And because the Sandman was written by basically one guy with one vision, uh, the characters are consistent and they work and they make sense. And you can trace their arcs through in a way that that's solid and you can trust that when something is planted, it will get paid off later. Um, and their version of, of death is interesting. Um, I really, really like Neil Gaiman as a writer, but I've gone on the record that I think probably the part of his writing that I find uh, the, the weakest is often how he does his characters. Uh, like, he'll, he'll create these beautiful worlds, and then his protagonists are often kind of these, like, sort of blank slates. Like, the audience doesn't really get to get inside their head very much. Um, and uh, again, all the love in my heart. I think that a lot of those stories are incredible. A lot of them are my favorite stories. Um, but I think that this results in you get stories where the main guy is kind of hard to like get. And then the secondary characters can be a lot more vibrant. This is part of why I think uh, a lot of the adaptations of Neil Gaiman stories where he's like, you know, part of the directorial team, like when they did Good Omens and when they did the Netflix Sandman, were, I thought, kind of better than the, the source material they're based on, not just because there's been a few decades for him to, like, think it over and polish it, but, like, 
when you put an actor in the role of a character, the actor is going to flesh out that character in a way that they are not fleshed out on the page just by the nature of Neil Gaiman's writing style. And I think he has to be aware of this because he's on the team of making all these shows and they all make changes I, to the characters. I feel like I had seen a quote somewhere when the Sandman show was coming out where he was like, yeah, no, it's great to be able to like essentially treat this as a, a, a proper adaptation and, and do things differently and adjust the story in ways that not only one makes sense on screen instead of on the page, but also two just make the story better. Exactly. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in Sandman specifically, this isn't even like on topic with the video, but like in the Sandman show, they, they change the main character in several key ways because he has the problem of being functionally omnipotent in the comics, um, which means that he's kind of the most uninteresting guy in the scene at any given time. Cause it's like, Oh, is he under threat? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, and, uh, and he's so they they change the writing and they they let the actor make him more emotionally vulnerable. So instead of being this like stoic blank slate, he's somebody trying very hard to seem like a stoic blank slate who is constantly on the verge of tears, which is more interesting it's to interesting, watch. Interesting, in yeah, opinion. yeah. Um, but the character of Death is uh she's an interesting aspect of the Sandman universe because she's very cheerful, but she's also death like she and uh discworld death kind of do something similar and that they are both this massive cosmological entity and you know a person with a personality and where discworld's death is kind of alien trying to understand humanity because he spends so much time dealing with it uh the the sandman death is kind of a lot more just like she's a cheerful person she it's not even a facade she actually has that personality but she is also this massive concept that like appears differently to different people and, and does a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I, people were like, oh, I, I was wondering, you know, why I didn't talk about her that much. And honestly, it's because that's kind of the, the beginning and end of, she doesn't really have an arc so much. Not, not one that we see. Uh, the cool thing about the Sandman comics is they let you get a glimpse at her from various different points in like history. Uh, so at some point she decided to spend one day every hundred years as a mortal. Uh, she she appears as a person. The universe autofills a background for her. Uh, she lives for 24 hours and then she dies. And the universe just explains it like, oh yeah, you know, she's had a problem with her lungs forever. Poor girl, she was living on borrowed time. Whereas really what happened is she popped into the universe for 24 hours as a mortal and then died and got, you know, brought into the, the lands by death, who is also her. It's very cool. It's, it's very, like, cerebral and stuff like that. And and her as death and her as this person who gets to experience being alive and, like, eating food and spending time with people. It's, it's very interesting. But that's kind of as far as I could get in the analysis before I sort of hit bedrock of, like, wow, that's really poignant. Uh, okay. <laughs> She's very much a fact that doesn't really change yeah. that quickly. Whereas Discworld Death has so much character and so many arcs, which is honestly astounding in terms of the difficulty of writing that to pull off. Yeah, this is Death with a capital D. He's going to show up anytime somebody dies. In these action stories, people die a lot. And it's honestly kind of like, it's, it's amazing how it produces the feeling of like, oh, hey, it's Death, my friend Death. He just showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like anytime somebody bites it, a secondary character will like sit up and be like, oh, my body's down there. That's weird. And death will just be like, yes, I imagine this must be confusing for you. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's go this way. And it's just like, hey, it's my boy. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, the Discworld series is 
to me, kind of the apotheosis of character-driven storytelling in that it's got a massive cast and they all bounce off of each other in weird and unexpected ways because it's like, hey, if this character rolls up on the territory of this other story, they might just run into the characters from this completely different series that they otherwise have never hung out with. That's a thing that can happen. Uh, and because death is kind of, you know, timeless and omnipresent, some of the books are about him and sometimes he just shows up, which I think is really fun. Um, that people were like, oh my gosh, this, the phrase near protagonist experience is so funny. And it's like, that wasn't mine. Uh, in the in the <laughs> illustration I did in that frame where he's like sitting in a folding chair reading a book like, oh, looks like the butler did it while there's this guy just like, like languishing in the foreground. That is from the book Thud. Uh, that is the extremely beleaguered, ca uh, I think he's a commander at that point, Samuel Vimes, who has just had a near-death experience and death has explained to him like, oh, yes, you see, you are having a near-death experience, so inevitably I'm must have a near Vimes experience. Don't mind me, I have a book. And then he's just in the background for the entire scene. <laughs> he's like, That's yeah, great. it's weird that people don't just flip to the end of the book and find out what happens. It's, it's you know, but I kind of get it. It's a human thing. And it's just like, ah, he's so lovable. But so also funny. he's death with a capital D. So yeah. I, yeah, I think this was a really great video and seeing the, the ways in which people not only had very, very emotional reactions to it in the comments, which was, was genuinely very affecting to read, oh, yeah. but seeing the amount of appreciation for the way you, you structure the storytelling. And although this wasn't quite so much like one of the totalizing trope talks, like the mm. one on like those dang phones or tragedies where it's like, this is like a huge fundamental pillar of storytelling we're going to talk about. Yeah. It was really cool to see how many people said like, Red, this is easily one of your best trope talks and that's just yeah. so cool to to see that kind of response for yeah. a trope talk that is not the kind you would necessarily expect to to get that based on like this is a character archetype essentially honestly so, yeah, cool. it was a it was a big relief because when i started writing up this script i sort of had this moment where i realized like oh no if i'm not careful with this i could potentially hurt a lot of people here because this is a as I mentioned in the video, like this is a heavy subject. This is one of the heaviest. This is like baby's first existential crisis and usually also baby's last existential crisis. So, uh, and, and this is something that like, I just because of like who I am as a person, uh, I've, you know, thought about this to an extent from an age earlier than I think a lot of people find it comfortable to think about this sort of thing. So I know that I'm a little bit more blase about this than a lot of people. So for me, it's like, yeah, you know, the inevitable death it comes for everybody. You know, meditation on death, memento mori is very normal stuff. And it's like, it's not normal stuff. Sometimes people can get jump scared just by thinking about that. And like, I have to be aware of that and careful with how I frame this. And as I was writing the script, I was like, I could very easily go off in a direction of sort of like something that's a little bit nihilistic or like if I'm not careful about how I frame this, I could accidentally draw people towards like a very, you know, unhealthy conclusion and I don't want to do that. But I am, of course, approaching this through the lens of fictional analysis and that gives me a little bit more leeway where I can be like, characters sometimes feel this way. And then maybe they realize that this would be better. And then I can be like, okay, that's it. I'm not making any fucking Socratic dialogues about this. We're fine. Um, but it was very, very reassuring to see people in the comments uh, be like, I had a nice good cry about this and I felt better because of the thing about catharsis. Uh, and there were a few people who were like, I lost a loved one recently and this made me feel better about it. And I was like, oh my God, okay. I guess I did something good. <laughs> okay, thank yeah. you. Because um, it's, 
Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm sort of jamming a thumb into an open wound on the collective consciousness of humanity here. I got to be careful what I say. Uh, and I'm not the best at being careful what I say. So I, I'm glad it worked this time. No, no, this was great. Okay. I, I, I really do feel a little sorry because when I read the script, I'm like, yeah, no, this is great. Like, I think it like move this paragraph around here. You can structure this a little bit differently. Maybe put an example in this paragraph. <laughs> and I completely like, no, yeah, your intro and conclusion are fantastic. Don't, don't worry about that. And I didn't think like, maybe we should put like a warning on this like for space horror i was like we need to put a warning on this and this one i'm like nah it's fine yeah that's on me that that one's on me gang and real quick before we move on to plugs i want to highlight the one part of the video because so much of it like hit so hard that a lot of people were like oh my god that conclusion and i was like but did you notice that edit i did with the uh with the with the oh shit and then like the parade of skeletons is like i'm okay the 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 meme the bit where i was like when you ponder your mortality i I I love that that. i remember i said that to you when i edited i was like this is one of the weirder things I've ever done. But honestly, that was the part of the video where I was like, this really do be how it is, though. Like, <laughs> you'll just be minding your fucking business and then be like, death comes for us all. Ah, shit, we're fine. Okay. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, yes. Yeah, so but, so uh, I wanted to... also yeah. come for us all, so it's time to talk about those. We don't necessarily... Have any? I don't think we instance. have any. I guess we can remind people that, like, hey, we have a we have a shop that is yeah. different from our previous shops. New merch uh, shop, overly sarcastic dot shop. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to be doing a uh, little bra- uh, Black Friday sale for for all of our pins and and stuff. And the plushes uh, coming back, and the plushes coming yeah, back as well. Good. Yeah, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have some some assorted discounts. We are doing a special. Uh, um, special little gold and silver version of Artemis and Apollo, but we'll eh, we'll get to that later. We'll, we'll get, get to that, that later. later. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stay tuned. It's not a plug, but I am planning on uh, doing a little uh, fun Tears of the Kingdom stream the morning of Halloween, like the you know uh, October thirty first day of, uh, because we're going to drop Link in the depths and not let him warp out. Uh, and we're going to try and get as many uh, armor sets as we can. I think it'll be fun. Um, but uh, we're probably going to do the same thing we did with the with the mega stream, where it's like, hey, if you donate these specific amounts, you might be able to be like, no paraglider, no pants. And I think pants are the only luminous armor set I have right now. So that would be a little bit devastating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's that's loosely the plan. Uh, I think we're probably going to attach uh, like a UNICEF charity probably, to it yeah. just because of stuff. Uh, but yeah, so stay tuned. Yeah. And with that, let's head over to the Q&A portion of the podcast. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first on a future episode. This one comes from Yuki Arashi. For all, what form of media is your go-to for maximum story enjoyment? Huh. Like books versus TV versus books movies tv comics like if you are looking to get the most out of a story that you can which one do you go to hmm i think i'm sort of torn between comics and serialized tv uh which is funny because i literally just said like all comics are bad earlier in this very (laughs) podcast um but like comics as a medium uh is one of my i mean it, it is the art form that makes the absolute most sense to me. It's the one that I've been, you know, that I took the most to when I was reading. It's the art form I've chosen to pursue mostly when I like do it myself. Uh, I think that it has a very unique set of strengths and uh, comics are some of my favorite storytelling overall, which is why I get so frustrated when they stop being good. (laughs) Um, But in terms of like, 
best way to adapt certain kinds of stories. I usually think that serialized TV has a lot of like the most potential uh, because it's really good for character driven storytelling. You can have long form arcs. Uh, you can, you know, take your time pacing out stories, setting up reveals and then paying them off. Uh, it can also be not good, uh, but that is not the fault of the medium. That's the fault of the execution. Uh I, I'll, I'll kind of split the difference on that and say that my, my favorite medium for storytelling is probably animated television mm, because yeah, all okay. of my like yes. favorite pieces of media are cartoons. Actually, yes. Yeah, second, like, uh, when I say serialized TV, <laughs> I do usually mean cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. think the, it's really funny to me that this is a fight that people keep having to have uh, on both of these fronts of like comics are for kids. Animation is for kids. It's like animation is for kids. The single form of like visual storytelling that lets you actually do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's because um, I'm just trying to think of like all the stuff that I like, even just like things I've seen recently, like, you know, my adventures with Superman, Spectacular Arcane. Spider-Man. Um, let's see, She-Ra, and then you go back, like, Avatar, Samurai Jack, 2003 Clone Wars, which is the best Clone Wars. It's not, but, Arcane like, it's my again. favorite. Arcane's animation. Arcane is fantastic. Yeah. God, yeah. There's there's so much stuff that I just love in animation where you can tell a story, usually over, like, the exact right span of time, like, mm -hmm. you know, six to, you know, 15-episode seasons, three to five of them and you're pretty much golden and that's like the perfect amount for a story where you can get it all in, in one thing and not Castlevania. feel like you're getting and lost. Castlevania. Castlevania. God, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Watch Nocturne. Fuck, I love Nocturne so much. I like the art style of Nocturne too. Yeah. I think it's very interesting how it's subtly different from... It's got that like Baroque lithograph style mm. that feels very French. Yeah. Um, and it really uses sunlight well too. Oh Anytime it's set during the day, it's like, wow, this really makes all the golds pop. Yeah, um, the, the lighting in that show is fantastic. But yeah, mm -hmm. no, I animation in in television is just so good. Because unfortunately be so the problem good. with uh with like filmed TV from from my perspective is it's usually a bunch of people like sitting in a room and talking because mm -hmm. that's kind of like one of the only things you can effectively film at budget for a long running TV show, and I'm talking out of my ass here, but like I feel like when I watch TV, it feels to me like a lot of people sitting around and talking. Taking Maybe a little I need heat to just watch off better of shows. me for my comics take earlier. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think the thing is, it's a it's a sign of a skilled uh, showrunner or director that can make use of a small budget to produce something that looks dynamic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, I've i been catching a little more Star Trek TNG, and uh, there was an episode recently that was basically just... Um, it was basically uh, talking about how paranoia and like drumhead, like uh, court marshals and stuff like that, and witch hunts are potentially really dangerous. But it's essentially a bottle episode. It's set entirely on the Enterprise. The characters are basically just walking and talking, and it's still incredibly compelling TV. And like I was looking at, you know, the reception about it and discussion of it, and it was like, yeah, this was like initially they were like, we're out of money. Can we do a clip show? And it was like, absolutely the fuck not. We're not doing another clip show. Everyone hated the last clip show where Riker got bit by an alien bug and it made him watch <laughs> a clip show. We're not doing another fucking clip show. And instead they produced one of the best episodes of the show ever. Um... But again, this is like we're talking about how the mediums can be used uh, and what their strengths and weaknesses are. And when it comes to live action TV, certain things are just prohibitively expensive and certain things are a lot easier. Yeah. And uh, whereas, again, with animation, it is not that much harder 
well, okay, yes, it is. There's a reason why, like, uh, Flash, like, Bones animation has recently gotten, like, eclipsed a lot of more traditional hand-drawn animation because it's easier to just make a puppet and then rig the puppet, even if it looks much worse than actually drawing it frame by frame. But again, it's it's easier, lowest common denominator, less expensive, you can offshore it more easily, stuff like that. O- outsource it, I think, is the correct word that I wanted, not offshore. Yep. <laughs> okay, cool, great, awesome. It's early. <laughs> yeah. Um, I yes, like movies. <laughs> no what <laughs> I think that it's the best because the thing with a film is you have a very finite amount of time in which to tell your story which forces you to really think about like when it's done well uh, there are plenty of bad movies out there but <laughs> we all have to keep caveating like when it's good it's good when it sucks it's bad though but if I want to consume a story and to get like the tightest most like core points of it like a film is always going to give me that more than a serialized media where you can like which is both uh, it's this is why I think the most important thing in all of media is knowing which medium to choose to tell your story. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, serialized media allows you to put a lot more detail into things in terms of like really getting into someone's mind or like really taking little tangents out and exploring them. And that can be great if your story has that to contain. Um, but I feel like a movie lets you get to the most bare bones of like, do you know how to tell one good story? Because if you don't, this is going to be a very bad experience for everyone involved. Yeah. Uh, and I find that that's a fascinating challenge. Three okay stories. <laughs> you know, <laughs> being generous there, my friend. Uh, um, but no, you're right. I, I think part of the reason why I like comics and serialized media is I am the kind of person for whom, like, does the story have to end? I would like more, <laughs> please. Like that's just how I, I work as an audience. I am definitely mm-hmm. in camp. Like, and the adventure continues. And uh, that you know. Uh, someday I'm sure I'll find a show that actually goes from front to back and is all things that I like. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready to let these characters go. I'm, I'm happy with the amount of story I had, but it hasn't happened yet. So I usually like things that allow for open-ended character-driven adventures, but I really respect how with a movie, it's like, you have two hours, good fucking luck. And some of the most impressive movies I've seen are the ones that are like, wow, this thing is using two hours incredibly efficiently. Um, yeah, there's no wrong answer to this question, I think, is the takeaway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I got my flu shot and my COVID booster, uh, like, a day ago, so Indigo's a little out of it uh, to all the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> In addition to it being the morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we got, more, we got more questions to get through. This one comes from Emperor Tremere. To all, it's officially spooky month. Which Halloween do you prefer? The fun and whimsical with silly and cool costumes or the night full of horror movies and costumes that would give a kid nightmares? So do you like silly Halloween or do you like spooky Halloween? I like silly Halloween. I also like silly Halloween. Yeah. I am a fun of childish whimsy and nighttime walks (laughs) and not getting stabbed a whole bunch. That also makes it accessible for everybody and everyone can kind of feel like they're on the same page. I don't know where I, I saw it online, but it was like... Halloween's the one day of the year where we do it right. Like, we let people into our spaces, and then we just give them nice things and compliment their outfits and let them go on their way, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Halloween's the one day of the year where we treat people right, and we fuck it up the other 364 <laughs> days. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. yeah. And just yep. having that, like, Halloween spirit be like, yeah, it's spooky, but, like, th- this is like a cartoon bat with googly eyes. Like, it's not actually going to stab you. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I like that. Like, a little bit of a, like, a, ooh, this is a chill in the air. There's some spider webs. Whoa. But, like, 
Yeah, it's for everybody, and I like that. There is nothing I like more than walking through, like, a nice neighborhood during the day when it's the lead-up to Halloween, and they have just, like, everything strung up with, like, cobwebs and pumpkins, but in a very vibrant, daylit sort of way. I just think that's so fun. Everyone should do this all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I think I tend to go for more of the silly Halloween, but I do, there's a part of me that's like, but I like so many of the, like, slasher horror films and, like, more of that sort of, I don't want to say edge, because that doesn't feel like the right word, but, like... There is something fun about engaging with, uh, uh, you know, like the almost campier horror that I think can add to it. But it still feels like that's just sort of silly in a different hat, if that makes sense. So I think I'm I'm with you guys on the silly Halloween. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That said, I did really enjoy watching Alien, Aliens, and The Thing, which are like my only forays into proper horror movies. Uh, And I guess Terminator, that's the, that's such an interesting, because Terminator 2 is a full on action movie, but Terminator is a horror movie. Terminator, Alien, and The Thing all kind of fit into the same category of horror movie for me, where it's like, this is not a Halloween horror movie, but this is a horror movie. And I think, because I was was talking about this with my boyfriend when we were watching The Evil Dead 2, which again is the only (laughs) uh, Evil Dead movie that I've seen, but uh, (laughs) that movie feels like it's made for October and I think the thing that got me for it was like, oh, it's it's not Jaws. Like, it's not that this is a horror movie with a with an animal that is going to get me. It is just made for putting some gooey, gooey blood bags on screen and being a little <laughs> silly and spooky. And like, that is the... like. There may be a blood bag in Alien, but it is not the crux of the horror. And I think that that is what makes it a little... I don't know if I'm doing a great job of explaining this, but it, I think no, that's no, sort of what yeah. makes it... <clears throat> I a think spooky it's like, month movie where like I, I wouldn't choose to watch Alien before Halloween, but I would watch like a Friday the 13th. I think that Terminator, Alien and The Thing are very, very scary, which is mm-hmm. not a category of horror movie that all horror movies fit into. You know, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's about just watching a guy chainsaw through something that explodes in a very liquidy way. Um but like, like Alien and the Thing and uh, Terminator will make you uncomfortable at some point. It'll there'll be a moment where you just feel like dread, which is different than like, oh boy, he's got a chainsaw for an arm. That's cool. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm no, not trying no. to diss the Evil Dead. I love it. It's just like on principle, I've never seen it. But it's just kind of <laughs> like there's a there's a space of horror movies that are seasonally appropriate, and a space of horror movies that are just like, hey, do you want to feel really uncomfortable for yeah. like two hours? You know what I will say, following up on, like, three different questions over the course of the past three episodes, Castlevania is a really good Halloween watch. Ooh, true. Anything with big full moons is a good bet. Well, that's not true. I did just watch all of Sailor Moon. But, like, most (laughs) things with big full moons. (laughs) Big crescent moons, I guess, might be the safer bet for for a Halloween-y read. Big full moons show up in everything. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, this next question comes from Powder Boy. To all, but mostly red, I went out and watched the Orionids meteor shower this weekend. Have you watched Ooh. any meteor showers? And if so, do you have a favorite? I have. Uh, I haven't had a chance to do it all that often um, because I am a city person, and that means I contend with light pollution most of the time. So it's a bit of an endeavor for me to get to a place that's enough of a dark sky location for me to to, to meteor gaze. But I actually did uh, just take a night to go out with a couple friends and watch the Perseids when they happened um, a month or two back, uh, which was really nice because I'd seen meteor showers before. Uh, early in quarantine, I would just kind of sit out at night 
to the wee hours. And that meant I saw some shooting stars even when I wasn't expecting them. And there were a couple nights where I was expecting them and I, I caught some pretty ones. Uh, I actually saw a, uh, a fireball at one point. Um, sometimes when a shoot, usually when a shooting star happens, it looks like just a little point of light that's there and gone. Uh, sometimes there are larger, more colorful ones. Um, and I just was out like on the deck and I just saw this like blue white flash overhead. Uh, and it was gone in a second and I wasn't even sure I'd seen it, but I looked it up and it's like, yeah, that's a fireball. Sometimes they happen in meteor showers. Uh, there's like websites where you can report where you see them, which I think is pretty cute. Uh, <laughs> so that one was cool. It was definitely one of those like, did that really just happen or did like my eyes fuck up a little bit? Which is, uh, <laughs> it's a common problem when stargazing, especially when looking for shooting stars. But uh, yeah. but yeah, no, and going out to see the Perseids with my friends was really fun because we like hiked out to a little like nice dark park and just like set up picnic blankets and looked and i'd seen meteor showers before but these guys hadn't uh so i was i was trying not to like overhype it because i was like yeah you know we're probably gonna see like maybe one a minute and stuff like that we're kind of gonna need to just look up and sort of not focus on any one part of the sky because with a with a meteor shower there's a radiant point that they all shoot out from but there's not any one patch of the sky that uh they're guaranteed to be in um so we were just kind of out chilling. It's like, well, I hope we see one. And as soon as we, there's like a tipping point when you watch a meteor shower. Once you've seen one, you're like, okay, I'm good. I've succeeded. <laughs> I'm not going to be disappointed. I've seen at least one. Um, and we didn't see like a ton, but it was just really nice. It was just a very pleasant little evening. Uh, so if you have a chance, I do recommend it. It's quite fun. And uh, this time of year, there's a bunch. Uh, there's... For for reasons I'm not entirely sure of, the fall to winter months tend to have significantly more, like, recognizable meteor showers than summer. Um, probably just has something to do with uh, when we're passing through the uh, debris trails of various comets, what time of year, and, you know. So anyway, it's fun. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes a meteor shower will be much more active than previous years. Usually it's like one a minute, but there have been a few, like, historical ones where it's like hundreds per minute. Uh, there's like woodcuts of them and a lot of time it's like, oh, these superstitious peasants. And it's like, no, that was a real thing they saw. <laughs> so, um, anyway, yeah, it's fun. Uh, highly recommend. It's a good reason to go out at night and just hang out. Like it gives yeah. you something to do while you're also just hanging out with people, uh, or just chilling and like meditating and stuff like that. Awesome. Uh, this next question comes from Space Wizard to all. What are your Halloween costumes this year? If you don't have one, what is your favorite costume you've ever had? Thank you for the second question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I also don't have one set this year. Where's uh, the festive spirit? This is like well, half well, the fun the of the day. I'm probably going to be sitting I... inside for most of the day playing Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> so you could put uh, on another costume. Do a link a, costume. Um, a Do dance a event that we went to a uh, weekend before last <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, where it was like it was kind of softly Halloween themed and we did a dance to the Wii menu music. <laughs> so we dressed up as Mies, which means we were just wore black pants and oh. like monocolored shirts. And it's like kind of like stuck our arms out. And it's not a T pose. It's kind of like an A pose. It's an A pose. And then we did a little dance. And that was essentially our, our Halloween costume. I can't believe you, you've beat the half-acidness record of your Steve from Minecraft costume. <laughs> to be fair, that one I came up with on the spot when reminded that I did not have a Halloween costume on Halloween. God. This w took planning. I mean, we only learned the dance for like three weeks before we did it. So that was a very fast turnaround. <laughs> but this one definitely had a lot more effort involved in terms of like the presentation of the bit than oh, when I showed up to our friend's house to do Halloween stuff. 
and you were like, what's your costume? And I was like, uh, and I <laughs> threw off my jacket and I was wearing a, like a teal shirt and blue jeans. And I said, I'm Steve from Minecraft. I came up with it in an instant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good work yeah. team. Um, I am fond of, uh, it is a costume I've used for a, a couple of years before because it just, it held up well. I made the mask of the red death. Uh, yeah, I good. I just have a red cloak that my mom sewed me when I was a lot younger, so it's gone from like to the floor to like to my knee. Um, and uh, I at one point when I was just getting art supplies, they sometimes art supply stores will just have the weirdest shit. And in this case, there were these like cardboard sort of like face mold things. They were just white cardboard, featureless, you know, eyes little bit of a nose, a little bit of a mouth. I have no idea what purpose they were supposed to serve. Uh, but I was like, boy, you know what would be real creepy? Putting this on my face. Uh, so I, I punched out the little like eye things. And there's a trick where you can put uh, like sheer black fabric behind eye holes in a mask so that your eyes can't be seen through it. Um, just did a little bit of that, uh, you know, made up the face a little bit, did some blood drips out of the eye holes in the mouth. Uh, and then uh, just did the body language of like, there might be something under this mask and cloak. Maybe. You're not sure. <laughs> Slight just, head tilt. Yeah, just it's yeah. so fun. Uh, I, I got points for a, uh, we did a little costume competition in college. And when I walked up, I just sort of silently walked up to like the person who was judging and like did the head tilt slightly. And then I walked away and they were like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it, instant winner. All the parties love it. And uh, for like, for party anxiety things, you don't need to talk to anybody and they don't need to see your face. It's great. <laughs> Uh, I love doing costumes on Halloween. The Halloween and the Ren Fair are the two things that keep me from getting into cosplay, which would bankrupt me and make me never sleep again. So I'm eternally thankful for these two occasions. But, uh, oh, but I should dress up as Link to play a stream where nobody will see me. Yeah, for fun. <laughs> um, but this year I've got, uh, I have next weekend I'm going to like four Halloween parties in a row. Ooh. So me and my boyfriend have two costumes coordinated uh, and one of them is a secret. So if you want to check my Instagram on Halloween, it'll be up there. But otherwise, because uh, I, I know people who go to those parties are listening to this podcast. So I can't oh. tell them now. Uh, but the other is uh, Kiki and Tombo from Kiki's Delivery Service. Because that way we can get Ziggy in as Gigi. Say I hi, Ziggs. You screamed yeah. earlier. I did a Kiki when I was a lot younger. I had a little, uh, it wasn't yeah. the right color, but I had one it's of those like, to do, bow like headbands. It's easy to do, like a little bow headband yeah. and like a yeah. bluish, blackish dress. And then you're all yeah. set, basically. That's fun. I think I've mentioned that like when Halloween was explained to me, my mom explained it in terms of cosplay because I'd been going to conventions for longer than I'd been trick-or-treating. Uh, so I would always go as specific characters. Mm. Um which means I got a rep the one year I went as Bob the Guardian from Reboot, uh, which obviously that was awesome. Uh, uh, but it was like, oh, I was Susan Stohelet one year. I was Granny Weatherwax when I was little. And everyone was like, oh, what a cute little witch. And I was like, no, I'm a specific witch. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. I feel like we were always more of like a mixed bag of Halloween costumes. Like my family had a like, you know, there'd be occasional like, I want to go as this character one year. But then just as many times it'd be like my brother says, I want to be a robot. And then we would just make a robot costume or like something along those lines. Uh, it was very almost like goosebumps or hocus pocusy level of like child costume making going on in the indigo household uh, growing oh, up oh i was totoro one year too that was pretty excellent impressive. my mom like again all the respect to my mom on this she like made a totoro sh like egg-shaped structure Good. where i looked out of the teeth which again it's, it's the same trick if you, if you use a white mesh it can't be seen through but you yeah. can see out of it yeah um 
Yeah. I want to shout out that robot costume my brother went out. So he was like 10 or something. Uh, it was two cardboard boxes and some like insulation tubing for arms oh, and legs. Classic. And it, it looked awesome. Uh, but the thing was like, if he did fall down or sat down <laughs> or in any direction, he could not get back up. Like yes! fully like beached turtle on its back. Uh, and he did, there were a couple times where he would like, because he's a 10 year old, you know, trip and fall. And he didn't even hurt himself because he had all these boxes around him, but he could not get back up. And it was very funny. <laughs> I think at that point you have to like withdraw the arms from the insulation tubing and just like crawl out the butt. <laughs> he couldn't get them up because of the way the box was structured. There wasn't like room to like bend your arm in through the tubing. Like there, there was oh. no way, there was not enough room to, like you were fully like locked in. Like it was just a full... There was going nowhere. It was a very um, like Christmas story. The kid is all bundled up for the snow and he can't move his arms. Like it was fully that for Halloween. Uh, I'm just imagining like, like a costume like that where it's like, quick hit the emergency release switch and just like the whole thing explodes <laughs> off. <of you. laughs> like, it has to be spring loaded. Yeah, but uh, ribbons <clears throat> flying everywhere. It's got to fit the fire code. Okay, there needs to be an emergency exit. <laughs> Uh, we'll get to another question. This one comes from Space Wizard. To all, have you been on any other podcasts? And if so, which ones? Yeah, a we've bunch. guessed it on a few. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think we have a list. Uh, no, it's it's not like that many, but it's too many to to list out of hand. <laughs> yeah, we usually like like quote tweet it on Twitter or something when, when it happens. Yeah. Sorry, quote post it on x um <laughs> well red i think you and i have both been on another pass uh podcast yeah 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 yeah. we have um and uh i've also been on movie struck a few times you might have heard of it <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty this cool question is just makes it like movies rolling with difficulty of course um um i've been on a couple like movie review podcasts uh cinema psychos and not a bomb usually it's i i'm hosting movie struck which is a movie podcast i have other movie podcasters on and then we do a little like come guest on mine and i'll come guest on yours ha 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 so uh-huh. it's, it's a lot of that uh if you just scroll through um blue and i have both also been on reginald's podcast which is dominic noble's oh, yeah. book dominic's club podcast. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. i gotta read more books so we'll put me on too <laughs> I had a really good time on on Dominic's podcast or Reginald's podcast. I Reginald's, should say. podcast. Reginald's podcast. Um, yeah. Um, and later today, we're going to record um, podcast episode uh, about Superman. Yeah, which is very exciting. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll post about that when it's uh, when it's up. We were on a, a podcast um, called Ace of Hearts um, yeah. about our various experiences uh, uh, in in the Ace world, which is pretty fun to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, a little smattering of them out and about in the world. Honestly, it's stuff. it's one of my favorite things to do when we get the chance. It's just like, let's just have a nice conversation with some fun people in a structured yeah. environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, oh, I was on the newest Olympian a couple times mm-hmm. uh, where the uh, creator is reading through the um, Percy Jackson books for the first time and is just like going through the chapters and I... Uh, when I first came on, I did homework and brought in information about the myths so that he brought me on again to do more homework and talk more about the myths that were being referenced. So it's nice to have a gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> Noted uh, podcast gay org in the corner producing more shows than this totally It's got to be podcast, George. Gay org does not par- <laughs> doesn't parse. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. Well, this next question comes from Cosmic Smith. To all, out of all the personifications of death slash the Grim Reaper in various media, which one would you most like to meet after or during your passing? Jesus. <laughs> there were a couple of death questions. This feels like the safest one we could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, someone in the comments was mentioning that 
uh, one of their first experiences with the concept of like personified death was death from the grim adventures of Billy and Mandy. Yeah. So yeah. Their, like <laughs> irrational fear of a Jamaican accent, which is like, uh, it's a little weird. <laughs> um, but I also was first acquainted with that version of death just because Cartoon Network cartoons, I was like seven. Mm-hmm. So, mm, um, but not not that one. That death is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. The part of me that watched it in high school is a little bit partial to uh, um, the one from Soul Eater, who runs an academy for <laughs> badass Ooh, fighting kids. That's rough. Uh, and his kid, who is, uh, if I remember the manga correctly, not really his kid, just more of like a another embodiment of the vast eldritch horror existential concept he personifies. You mean uh, Death the Kid? Death the Kid, yeah. Obviously, Death does not actually just have a kid. That would be weird unless it's Discworld. Even then, he adopted her, so it's fine. Uh, but it's like, oh, as Death the Kid's power grows, more power gets siphoned from Death because they're basically the same being, just with two different hats on. Um Anyway, that one's pretty fun. He's goofy. Yeah. But I don't think I'd want to meet him on the worst day of my life. <laughs> I think we're all dancing around the answer is Discworld Death kind of does feel like one of the better ones you could run into. Yeah. yeah. He's one of the more polished versions for sure and he's uh he, he's got a lot of um got a lot of benefits over several others. Uh Caron and Stray Gods is pretty fun, I'll be honest. You mean the guy who just goes, ah, at you every time you talk to him? Yeah, if I had well, a nickel. he likes games. Yeah, he does like games. Yeah. I actually, you know what? Fuck it. I like the version from the Twilight Zone episode, Nothing in the Dark, played by young, hot Robert Redford. Uh, nice, nice. Yeah. He's Excellent. specifically designed to make the concept of death non-threatening and pleasant. That was um, Robert Redford? I believe so. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, like the entire premise, because the funny thing is like death is a recurring character in the Twilight Zone, but he never shows up the same way twice. And it's like, sometimes he's kind of like got like a sleazy used car salesman vibe. And in one of the more unnerving episodes, he's just this like chill hitchhiker, basically, uh, who's haunting the shit out of a woman who unknowingly died in Pennsylvania and has been continuing her cross country road trip ever since. Uh, but yeah, no, young, hot Robert Redford death. I'll take that one. Thank you. Excellent. I think I'm going to stick with Discworld Death, mostly because I'm struggling to think of any other personifications of death off the top of my head that aren't the Billy and Mandy one, uh, and I, I think I don't want that, so... <laughs> yeah, no, no. No one wants or needs that. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, man. I'm going to, like, remember a version that I liked more Yeah. in, like, eight hours. It's going to happen. Instead of fridge horror, we're all going to be going to get lunch and be like, ah, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, 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 Hades game? Thanatos Hades game? Thanatos uh, Hades yeah. game. Hot death. From I mean, he's got some. Hades game. He's got some baggage. Like you're not gonna, you're not gonna get to like hang out with any of the cool kids. You're just gonna end up as a shade. But like, yeah, you know. And he's probably gonna spend the entire time complaining about something Zag did. That's just an like interesting sh- underworld to inhabit. The Hades game. Yeah, one. it's like yeah. shouldn't my death be about me? It's like, look, I'm just really going through it right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about my boyfriend. <laughs> my boyfriend and my boyfriend's girlfriend, and mm-hmm. it's just a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, well, this next question comes from Officially Satan to Red. In what order would you recommend someone read the Discworld books? Start with Guards, Guards, and then go straight through the Guards novels from there. Uh, yeah, I could have told you that one. <laughs> yeah. I, look, the Discworld has many good subseries. The one that's a fantasy police procedural with a slow-growing cast and uh, smoothly integrated character arcs is, I think, the one that's put together the best. Uh, it's also one of the ones that started later. Like, 
Terry Pratchett's writing was good in the earlier books. It's not like it's not a crime to start with the earliest books. It's just they get so much better as he really like gets his legs under him. So the Witches series was like Weird Sisters was one of the first books he wrote. So it's fun. But it's lacking in depth in a few places that he explores later on in the same Witches series. So if you're just trying to get into it, you'll be like, oh, this is an affectionate Macbeth parody that occasionally threatens to become surprisingly, like, deep. Whereas if you start with Guards, Guards, it's like, oh, so we're unpacking the concept of the one true king and uh, the the sacrifice of virgins to dragons and the a person is good, people are bad kind of thing. And, and the, the mob mentality and the protagonist is so angry and so upset all the time. And, and it's, uh, and then it just kind of keeps going from there. Uh, the guards novels I can describe as uh, good things keep happening to Samuel Vimes, despite his best efforts not to let that happen. Because <laughs> um, he's just, he starts the book so angry and so sad. And then over time, it's like, good news, Vimes, I've given you yet another promotion. So you're even better equipped to potentially kill me if I become too much of a tyrant. And it's like, stop promoting me. <laughs> I just want to be a cop. <laughs> um, they are also remarkably good at not being copaganda, despite being fantasy police procedurals. Uh, it's it's hard to explain unless you read them, but they take a very aggressive hardline stance of like, hey, corruption in the legal system is a crime and any good cop would be against that. Like <laughs> Sam Vimes at one point arrests two armies for going to war because murder is a crime. <laughs> and uh, <Wow. laughs> murder on a on a massive scale is not less of a crime. <laughs> so it's it's very interesting. And I, I do recommend them. And it's a good starting anchor point to give you a, a kind of a, a more grounded piece of the disc world to, to start from. And then you can start, you know, the death novels, the witches novels, you know, stuff like that. Um, so yes, guards, guards, go from there. Awesome. Well, we got time for one more question here before we wrap it up. This one comes from Zarvius, Xavius. To all, if you were to describe your personality as a type of cookie, what type of cookie would you be? Huh. Interesting. Yeah. It's a very Facebook quiz, but... um. Yeah. Sometimes mm. we all have to re-enter our BuzzFeed era. <laughs> Uh, On the subject of quizzes, I was watching a Doug Doug video where he takes Sporkle quizzes, and the first one that showed up was 20 Terms Italian History Quiz, and he was like, well, I'm not doing that, and I'm like, wait, 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 so I pulled up the website myself, <laughs> took the quiz, and got 19 out of 20. Yay! I was like, yes, <laughs> I am good at this. Um, not oh, relevant man. to the question, just no. uh, that, that's who I am as a person. <laughs> I, uh, it's probably one of those fucking Lofthouse cookies. You know, the ones that sort of taste like Play-Doh. I don't know. Um, I don't want to be, like, self-derogatory. I just feel like I have a very simple, like, palate personality-wise. Um, and they're about as white as it gets. <laughs> so, I, the, the most creative answer I can think of is those kind of little Greek cookies that are, mm. like, made with, like, I think they're made with, like, olive oil. And you can, like, dip them in coffee and stuff. And it Ooh, tastes, yeah. it tastes pretty good. What? The like Kularakia, the like twisty guys, or yeah, something like that. They're, they're different versions in different places, but yeah, yeah. That that general like space of cookie. Mm. <laughs> I feel like the easiest answer for me here is just any like box of Italian cookies you can get from a bakery in anywhere in the greater New Jersey Philadelphia area. They got like yeah. 
four or five different versions of the same cookie at every bakery and it's like the guys with a little like thumbprint in the middle where there's like chocolate or a fruit or like the guys that are like the spumoni like the three colors and like it's just mm, yeah. those um yeah. oh, everyone else is being culturally significant to me <laughs> when i can think of is hamantash uh, which hey, I've that had is like culturally twice. significant. It is, but I've only eaten it like a couple times. <laughs> Don't let its ubiquity make it any less special. I guess. Um, I guess I could go with Pitzel's if I had to be specific. The like waff- thin waffly cookies. We always make them around Christmas, but like mm. they're an Italian like wafery situation. They're good. Is it they're in like... relation to Stroop waffles, which are thin waffles with caramel in them? No, they're like... Uh, those are good, though. Those are yeah, good. Yeah. Those are my dad. Uh, when we were... After my mom passed away, my brothers, my dad, and I went on a cross-country road trip going to many national parks and hiking and camping and just sort of being Aww. in our feelings for a while. Uh, but yeah. I did watch my dad walk into a 7-Eleven somewhere in Arizona and pick up. Uh, I was like, oh, look, they have Stroop waffles here, thinking he'd buy like one or two. And then he picked up the display box and walked it to the front counter. I was like, oh, we're going through it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. They're great hiking tra- snacks. They're very self-contained. They make, like, energy versions of them where it's not its not like the Stroop Waffle Company, but it's like they are its it tastes like a Stroop Waffle. Sometimes they have different flavored fillings in them, but they're, like, supposed to be high protein or, like, high energy or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, if that's true. I think maybe there's just sugar in them and then it makes you think that you've got a bunch more energy. <laughs> that's really funny. When I was in uh, high school, I went through a rather more... Uh, accelerated baking phase than I normally do because uh, my senior year of high school, I had four classes total and then I broke my clavicle and couldn't go to gym class. So I had three classes total. So I had a lot of spare time. Uh, So I just like baked so many things and just brought them to school, which was fun. I had a good time. Like Uh, every other day you had something new for us to snack on in the senior lounge. It was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. At one point I was like, oh no, one of my classmates is gluten intolerant. I want to try and like make some gluten-free brownies. And foolishly, I thought I could just get gluten-free flour and use it like regular flour. Um, The brownies were edible. They just smelled incredibly suspicious. (laughs) Um, But uh, at one point I was just trying to find a way to make the most chocolate cookie I could, which I think is pretty on brand for me. Uh, So it was like, that's it. That's it. (laughs) So it's like, okay, I've got, I've got the chocolate chip cookie base. And then it's like, okay, I can integrate cocoa or melted chocolate into the actual underlying dough. And then I can put in like some chocolate chunks. And what I think, I think the most I ever got it was uh, melted chocolate integrated into the base, chocolate chips, possibly some chocolate chunks, and fudge chunks. Just take a batch of fudge I'd made, chop it up, and then put it into the batter. Uh, they came out as little, like, like mounded up. They, they were far too chocolatey to melt the way a chocolate chip cookie sometimes does. So it was just, like, a lump of just the cakiest chocolatey thing ever. And they were so good. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, so good work, team. I think yeah. we I think we nailed this one. Mm, nice little sword. We got there. it. We got a pitzel. We got a chocolate monstrosity, and we got uh, <laughs> and maybe some hamantash on the potentially kulabakia, maybe some other variant of a Greek cookie. Who knows? I, I, I looked it up. There's one that's more like with the olive oil and the seeds, but no, the kulabakia is the that's the uh, those are better. Little twisty guys. <laughs> I have yeah. to make those Greek Easter. I'm a designated baker for our family, so yeah. I make baklava, and this year yeah, and a couple yeah. other years I make the kulabakia, and that thing takes forever. Yeah. those guys out for real and then no one eats them so i don't know why I make do. make your own um instead of fan art uh make your own osp cookie platter <laughs> there oh, is an actual please do what's, that <laughs> what the fuck is that game like cookie run 
Uh, I feel clicker? like no, no. There's another one where like there are little like everyone's a little gingerbread guy, and they're all like based nice. on different cookie flavors, what? and they're all characters. Every like two months, this thing trends on Tumblr, and I see the weirdest assortment of fan art I've ever seen. Never heard of this in my life. Let me just know. look this thing up to make sure I'm not hallucinating. Are you sure? No, it's yeah, not? it's called Cookie Run. Like the the mascot is a generic gingerbread guy, and then the designs get progressively more anime boy with time. Fascinating. Well. While we look into that mystery, I think it's time to take us out. Red, you ready? Oh, absolutely not. Oh, my God, they did a Cinderella cookie? What the hell is happening? <laughs> That's not even a cookie at that point. She's got, like, sponge rolls for hair. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with another uh, fun episode of the Oz Pod. Of course, we'll be back on Friday with a more normal video, and then the next Friday with another video, and then we'll talk about them when two weeks from now we do another podcast. You know how this works. Um, if you're a patron, uh, head over to Patreon to, to hear us hang out for another 30 to 40 minutes in the After After Show show, uh, which I, it's fun. It's cool. Uh, I think I went off on some tangents in the main episode that I should have saved for the ass, but that's okay. <laughs> There's Overcoming. always more tangents where that came from. Um, uh, yeah, and I think we don't really have anything else to announce. So until next time, I've been Red. I've been Blue. And this has been an Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on November 8th with another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform, and if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all of that and more can be found in the show notes below.